Today we have Chris Prefontaine on the show. Are you looking for a way to get into real estate with creative financing? Then look no further. Chris has been investing in real estate for over 30 years and can help you on your journey. His company focuses on helping others get into the world of real estate investing, mainly on the residential side. In this episode, you will learn various solutions for using creative financing, what problems they are solving for the seller, and the power of getting your first investment deal done. Listen and learn. So here's a question for you. What's your why? It could be to find financial freedom. It could be to add new streams of income. It could be to save taxes. You may want to become an active investor or you may want to invest passively. Either way, you need to make a decision and then take action. Your first action can be to educate yourself. Go to join.darrenbatchelder.com, sign up and start your journey. Now, on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Chris Prefontaine before we start the show. Chris lives in Rhode Island. He's been investing in real estate for over 30 years. His company helps others get into real estate investing by teaching creative financing options to help sellers solve a problem. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Chris Prefontaine. Chris, appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, I really, really appreciate having me. I look forward to diving in and hopefully we can impart some great nuggets. Absolutely. So uh, just a little bit on how we know each other and then we'll jump in. Um, this is actually the first time that Chris and I are talking. Uh, but one of the things that was very interesting when when somebody reached out and said, you know what, you need to have Chris on the show is that he's got like 30 years of investing in real estate experience. And we're going through some difficult times. So, you know, I wanted to bring somebody on the show that has been through the ups and downs and, and, try, and try to get some insight from somebody that's been through various cycles. So with that, um, Chris, can you share with the listeners kind of uh, your background and how many properties and units uh, you've invested in? Yeah, so I'll be sort of 10,000 foot view because sure. I'm going to sleep with my, this is my 32nd year. Uh, <laughs> So I started in the early 90s actually building homes, uh, and then that transitioned into owning a brokerage, which I had never, ever done. And then that transitioned into uh, coaching people and doing my own investments uh, throughout the United States and Canada. So that led us, on, well, I'm not going to say unfortunately, I'm going to say very fortunately, that led us to the crash of 08. Um, the crash of 08 uh, allowed me to to get beat up a little bit, which allowed me to re-engineer my entire business to what it is today. And we'll talk about it in the show a little bit, but essentially we do not use banks or sign personal loans because of what I went through. I had to re-engineer and start from scratch with no money, literally no money, no credit. So that from that point on, from the crash till now, uh, what we've been doing is buying everything on, on what we call creative financing or terms, if you will. Uh, as far as units, 
gosh, we've done hundreds of millions over the years. Uh, right now, with our students around the country, we control somewhere between 80 and 100 million at any one time. A lot of that is single family. Uh, as you and I were talking before the show, the way we buy property, you literally can buy any asset class, so we can dive into that. And um, yeah, so that's my my 32 years in about 60 seconds. That's awesome. So um, there is, in the real estate space, there is, you know, people that buy for their own, you know, um, with their own capital. There's people that use creative financing. There's people that um, syndicate deals. There's people that are more educators. So where do you fall in today? Um, are you more on the coaching side or are you more on the investment side? This is great. I'm, I'm so glad you went here because I don't get asked. That. I usually have to find a way to bring it up. Because <laughs> the reason I'm saying that is this, Darren. I think it, first of all, my answer is we do both full bore. So if I had to split my week, I would tell you it's probably 50-50 now. But here's why I say that. I, I think it is super, I don't care what niche you're in, I think it is super dangerous, I'll use that word, to, to be in the trenches and look for a guidance or mentor or coach and have that person not be in the trenches anymore. There's a lot of that going on in every niche right now. It's scary. Uh, Post-COVID or even post-crash. If they haven't done that, how can they help you navigate? And things are changing right now, right? It's one constant in real estate. It changes. So that that's not like a new thing. It's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So I do both. I love doing both. Um, I don't have to do both anymore. My coaches are like, oh, you still make the call? Yeah, I'm making calls today to, to, to properties because I want to stay fresh on the cusp and I love doing deals. Awesome. So on the coaching side, maybe talk about your coaching program a bit. Are you focused on um, fix and flip? Are you focused on buy and hold? Are you focused on single family? Like what, what's the, the value that you bring to your students? Yeah, we do everything creatively. So I'll, I'll say the three ways and then I'll sort of peel down a little bit. So we buy owner financing, the literally the building I'm sitting in with, uh, with speaking with you right now that had a recent flood. Uh, so I'm in a temporary office. I bought this on owner financing, the way I teach it. So owner financing, uh, subject to existing financing, we buy that way quite often. I love, love that right now because rates are low from these past lows on properties we're buying. And then the third way is lease purchase. Uh, probably my least favorite now because I like owning, but it's how I started the business. So I, I, that's, that's been sort of my go-to safety valve. That's the ways, those are the ways we buy. Um, the value we bring is this, Darren. So I talked about the issue in the industry of having someone not experienced. The other issue in the industry, I think, it plagues the industry, a lot of industries, but certainly ours, is I get calls weekly from students going, hey, uh, I was in some program. It doesn't matter, again, what niche. I was in some program. I spent X amount of dollars. I haven't done a deal yet, or I was frustrated, or I feel. And so I, we're on a serious mission to transform real estate investors to just actually do deals in whatever niche it is that you like in our world that's all creative. So we're in the trenches to get that done. So if you're a student, we're doing the deal with you. Like I just hung up with a student calling a seller with the student because they're new. You can teach a seminar, you can teach a course. When they get in the trenches, it's different. And so we lock arms with them and we do deals that way. I call it interactive. You know, it's the best way to learn, in my opinion. So what do you, what do you mean by that? You do them with them, right? You're putting in the capital, you're getting on the calls. You mentioned getting on the calls. Um, Mostly calls. So we're not putting calls. up capital in, okay. in uh, all or mo most or all deals. 
the, so let me give you a direct example. So this gentleman's in South Carolina, uh, looking to buy a house subject to the existing financing. If, if someone's listening, they're new to that. It just means that the seller's guarantee is staying on that loan. The loan's staying in their name, but we're buying the property. But he's new. And a subject to purchase can be a little daunting if you're brand, brand new, even if you've been through our course. And so he got scheduled this, pre-scheduled this with me, but we got on the phone with the seller and I went through the, with the seller, everything is going to happen. Now, while I'm doing that, not only did we consummate the deal, we did, but he also learned a bolo, just listening, right? Sure. So that's what I mean by doing it with them and uh, locking arms because all kinds of curveballs, as you know, come to these real estate deals and it's, they leave the seminar, anyone, me, you, that we leave a seminar, it sounds great. Right. And then, oh, I didn't know all this stuff's going to happen. So that's what we're there for. Yeah. So a few things on that. One, um, you know, I think that there's some students out there that they feel like if they stroke the check to, to join a group, a coach, a mentor, that the deal should just be Done. presented yeah. to them. And, yeah. and I don't know about your coaching program, but I just haven't seen one of those out there. Like you still coaching in my mind is you're learning from somebody that's already done it. So they know the process you have to go through and some of the hurdles you have to go through and they can prep you and they can shorten that time frame dramatically. But you still got to get out there and do the work. You still got to. So that's my experience. But let me know if you you've had the same thing with your group. Couldn't agree more. Um, unfortunately, out, out there, uh, unbeknownst to you and I, that's the, this stuff goes on. Like, but here's why it goes on, I think, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. There are just too many great marketers. I'm not a great marketer, but there are some great marketers that online and on TV tell you you're going to get rich tomorrow. I, I scream that you're not. But once you learn the skill set in any one of the great niches in real estate, you have it for life, Right. Right. So if if you can manage your expectations, in my opinion, you won't quit and go looking for the next shiny object. That 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 to me is a big. I don't know if you if you agree with that piece too. You know, I I do. I think that you, I think you have to make a decision, and I think you have to be committed to you know whatever it is you're going to pursue, um, and know that you know almost anything that's out there that says you're going to get rich quick is Run. is marketing and and it's yeah. going you know you, you have to put in the work um to to have to see the fruit i think i believe um but you know what there's some people that that do you know they're in the right place at the right time and and good for them you know um so your coaching program is focused on creative financing um is it folk what type of assets is it a, you mentioned single family on the on the one gentleman. Is that is it predominantly single family? I teach that coming out of the gate, Darren, because again, I don't want shiny object syndrome. So if I get up on stage or on YouTube or whatever and say, you can buy any asset class, you can buy multi, I, they're going to be scattered. It's very, very difficult for a new person to, to, to put their arms around that. So we start with single family. Um, when they're in the midst of the lead generation that we teach them how to do that, of course, they're going to run into other deals, right? Especially if they're out there aggressively calling. And so that's how I bought, like I said earlier, I bought this building on a very busy street with all realtors in the area in a hot, I live on an island. So it's, it's not, it's uncommon for every single person to know about a property. I bought it because the owner wanted, seeked out owner financing. It was free and clear, which is my favorite. Uh, we'll talk about why in a second, but 
the realtors were coming in with conventional offers and he's going, no, no, no. For estate planning and tax reasons, I want owner financing. They just don't get it. And sure. so that's how I was able to buy this. But, but yeah, we start with single family to a base. So, uh, you know, I don't know much about single family um, investing. I'm more focused on the, the large scale multifamily. But right. here, here's what I tell listeners is that, you know, every large syndicator that I've brought on that has 1,000 units, 3,000 units, 5,000 units, they all started with one investment. Of course. And yeah. so if you want to get into real estate, you know, it depends on where your mind is, you know, your mindset, whether some people can't believe that they could actually buy a large multifamily right away. So, well, then figure out how to buy a single family and then build that and then and then move on. Or you stay in, in your wheelhouse, you know, it, but you have to get in the game somehow. And here's one avenue to do it. So, um, talk about those three avenues, the, the, you know, creative financing, owner financing, subject to, and the lease purchase. What, how did those work? Yeah, and especially the first two for, for Maltese. Uh, I'm hearing just some tremendous deals on, on this front. So the owner financing, it means a lot, but I'll tell you what it means to us. It means the property's free and clear. We specifically look for free and clear, like this building I'm sitting in, because typically, been my experience, that the owner, the seller, is not in need of immediate cash. Presumably, they would have taken it out, number one. Number two, um, they're more amenable than to terms. I did a 20-year deal here. It's sweet. Um, so I seek out that seller. The reason I seek them out is a lot of times, Darren, whether it's short-term or the whole term, we do principal-only uh, notes. So and, and with there's only some exceptions with the IRS. You have to put in some imputed interest, but most of our deals, you don't. So we're doing principal only pay down. Picture that in a market that might be going wonkers and you don't know where it's going. If I have a 20 year deal or even a 10 year deal on, on owner financing with principal only payments, I don't frankly care what the market does. So that's why in the owner financing world, I seek out free and clear. And by the way, for all the listeners, you can today get a list in any asset class you want of things that don't do not have a mortgage on them. That's a great- that, That's what I was gonna ask you. I'm like, well, I don't know that I would think that that's a low percentage. You know, I know the number for singles. You'll be you're probably going to be surprised. It's about a third of the properties in the United States. A oh. third in the United States are free and clear. I was speaking to a mortgage broker, Darren, in um, uh, not Morocco, next door, Naples, Florida. And I told her that because she was selling the home, actually, and wanted to know how I would buy. And I said that number. And she said, no, 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 Chris. In Naples, it's 52%. Holy cow, really? Free 52%, and clear. 52% free and clear. Yeah, so that's a big pool to swim in. And I'll tell you, it's fun. Like the guy, the dealing with this guy in this building was fun. He actually loved creative. He was intrigued by it. And typically they did something right to get free and clear, right? right. <laughs> so, Well, the it, other thing about that, you said the guy's fun. You know, like I, I believe that successful people want to help. Then, you know, they, not every successful person, but in general, I think successful people you know, if you find a genuine person that is trying to learn, they will spend the time with you and try to help you. So that guy who's free and clear, he's more apt to probably want to sell to somebody that's getting going that he feels like is not only, not only is he making money on the deal, but he's helping somebody else, you know, start their real estate career. 
You couldn't be more accurate. This guy was, uh, I say was, he passed away, sadly, just last year. But when I met him, my wife said, she knows I'm big on mentors and coaches like you and I talk. And she said, have you had lunch with Alan yet? And I said, no, but I will. So I went to lunch with him. And lo and behold, he's like the largest landowner in the area. And he had all those other deals. He thought wow. it was an amazing experience in conversation. So you're right. Absolutely. And he loved it. That's awesome. You also mentioned principal only. Like, so does that mean that the you're only paying principal back to the owner and you're, there's no interest on, on it at all? It's not principal and interest. It's just principal only? Just principal only on most deals. Now, I'll say most. I'll tell you what we did here to get creative because this guy was a very, very savvy. But most of the deals we do are principal only or for a period of time. In this case of this building, it was 18 months of principal only. He wanted, he had a set interest rate in his head. I think it was like 5.3 or whatever it was. And I said, well, Alan, we usually do principal only. He laughed and I said, well, why don't we do a little bit of both? Why don't we do a hybrid model? So literally for 18 months, every payment I made was towards principal. Picture that compared to a commercial loan that I would've got here. Right. And then I took the balance at that point and baked in 5.2% interest and amortized it over 30 with a 20 year balloon. That's how I did with this guy. So for listeners benefit, you know, some people fully understand everything we just said. Other people are like, what does that mean? Well, you know, if, if you have, just think about your house payment and you have a 30 year mortgage and you make a $2,000 payment on your, on your mortgage, you know, 1700 of that is going to interest and then 300 goes to principal. If you can structure the deal such that all of that 2000 is paying down principal, that's significant for you because now when it comes time for you to sell or even refinance, your principal balance has been, been paid down significantly more than it, if it was a P&I deal. Yeah, and picture like, talk about a recession hedge. I'll never say proof ever, but recession hedge to go 10 years out. We had a home on the water, a million dollar home on the water we bought from a realtor, mind you. And it was $2,500 a month. That's 30 grand a year. That deal went for like four and a half years before we, before we sold out of it. That's pretty cool. So it doesn't matter what the market does almost if you have a long enough term. So sometimes I'll talk to a multifamily owner or a commercial or a residential owner and say, look, Darren, I can... Yes, I could probably pay your price. I, I might even be able to pay a premium if, you, if your term is long enough. That gets their attention. They're used to people beating them down. Right. And so that works very, very well. It's a win-win. So talk about that. I, I agree that, uh, talk about, you know, on the term, because when I have heard other people talk about, you know, owner financing, um, you know, I've heard it be more short-term in nature. You know, I'll do, I'll do you know, seller financing, but you know, it's a three-year balloon or a five-year balloon. So you have to refi into something else, you know, pretty quick. Um, and that puts you at risk on right. the, for the reset. So how do you get, you know, owners willing to finance it for a long, long term? And what do you define as long term? Yeah, I, I'm talking to the students in our own family properties about never going below five years, but a long term to me would be 10 or more. Uh, I think a, a recent deal came in with a student that was 10 and it's only because we're talking about it. It's like the expectation now. And as far as how do you get them to do it, here's the deal with, with any of these creative finance deals, in my opinion. All we're looking to do is solve a problem or help them accomplish a goal that the conventional market won't give them. Now, on the scale of owner financing, it's usually we're helping them accomplish a goal because then they don't usually have a problem. 
financially. That usually lends itself to the other category, the subject too. So in this case, let's talk about the seller. Why did he advertise uh, that he wanted owner financing and said to me, please don't refund. Like, I don't want to get paid out. Tax reasons and estate planning reasons. Um, I don't know. Perhaps he knew something was going on health-wise because, like I said, he did pass. And what he gave his son and his wife is an income stream versus a building. And I'm sure that was pretty pointed because owned he owned this for 20 years before selling it to me. Uh, so... That it, it really is looking for what they're trying to accomplish and solving for it, not trying to convince them of anything ever. In fact, if he had said to me, I need a three-year below, and I need, that would be too aggressive for me. My company's in now this building and tenants, but it would have been too aggressive for me. So it worked for a win-win, just solving problems or looking to fix what they got going on. I like that. So how does the conversation go with that owner to, to find out what his goal is? My initial script, I don't care what asset it is. My initial script when I call someone up or if my VA, my virtual assistant calls someone up is, uh, Darren, I noticed you had your, your home on or your building on or, you, you know, whenever on uh, the market at XYZ price. Um, if I got you to your price, I haven't seen your property yet, but if I got you to your price, are you open to doing that on owner financing? And of course that brings out whether there's a mortgage on and all that. But that's the initial question. Most owners understand the word owner financing or in Canada, vendor take back. You know, they understand that. And so then it's just a matter of, no, 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 I can't do that. I have to go buy something else. Or no, 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 I want to do a 1031. Like you get their answer almost right away as far as how it relates to motivation. That's, that's great. That's great. And then when you get the guy that says, yeah, then, then you've got the perfect fit. Um, yeah, then you give options. You usually give options for, let's just say, five, eight, ten after you talk to them. And then the, the longer the term, the price is up a little bit higher. I usually factor in like one to three months worth of monthly payment on top of the price if they add any years to it. So if my payment's three grand a month for this building and they say, oh, I might be open to going an extra year, I might add five to nine grand to the price because I'm going to eat it up in two or three payments. I'm okay with it. Right. So let, let me ask you this. Are, are most of these homes, somebody, in, one of your students is buying as a, an investment for a rental or to flip or as a, you know, Airbnb? Like what, what's the, the play for the, your student, for the investor? Sure. So on the, on the building and or multi-front, it's a value add, approved NOI, that, that, that route. On the single family, that's most of what we teach to them. It's a rent-to-own exit. And there's a big difference how we do it and how the market does it, so I'll just mention that. The market statistic, I'll tell you what sort of publicly is out there, is that a rent-to-own program for a buyer who needs time to qualify will work 10% of the time, 20% max, because they don't have a good mechanism or a protocol to get that buyer qualify properly, know that they are true, a true buyer and get them cashed out. Ours is an inverse relationship. We have buyers that come in, we get them to the finish line and we have a default rate of anywhere between two and 10%. That's pretty low. So it's an inverse relationship to how the market does it. And it's mainly because my son started it, but he's the buyer specialist and he helps them get qualified, make sure they're truly a buyer, make sure they can be mortgage ready eventually, what that time frame means. And that's how we exit most of the properties. So most of the properties, so I'm a student, I come, I, 
you help me get the deal, I buy this residential property, I then put in a, a renter who has the, um, in, the, in the lease agreement the opportunity to, to buy, at, buy the deal at a certain price. A little and, bit tighter, okay. if I just tweak it a little bit. Yeah, so, so it's, I'll give you an example too. So it's a buyer that has a down payment that perhaps didn't realize they couldn't qualify today for a number of reasons. One big one right now, big since COVID, is this major onslaught of W-2 people to entrepreneurship, great salaries, sometimes even 401k goes with them. They think, I'm great, I'm going to go buy a house now. Now they need two years, because they start a new business, two years typically with banks, of what the banks call seasoning. Um, that's just, they need 24 months before they can prove that new business. So they're great buyers for us. They're usually the higher end buyers, great, great buyers for us, because their credit's good, they don't need time for that, they just need time for seasoning. So they have the, they have the cash, they, but traditional banks aren't, aren't gonna prove them because they, yet. they don't have the W-2 and they don't have the two years Exactly. So exactly. Is that the buyer, your student buyer, or is that the buyer for so your student went and bought this house and now that person is the one that's going to rent exactly. to own? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned the second one you mentioned was um, subject to existing financing, assumable. Like in, in my world, in the multifamily world, you you hit it on the head, interest rates, you know, have gone gone sky high. Um, they're really not sky high, but six, I know. six, 7%, but compared to where they were at 3%, right. um, they've doubled in a year. And so, you know, some people that I know are getting deals done because they're assuming the mortgage on the multifamily property. So you're doing the same thing on the single family side. Single multi, yeah, right across the board. And, and the key distinction is the loan Instead of a formal assumption, what banks would call an assumption, where I got to go in and I got to sign personally, so it's just like applying for any loan. Where the loan staying in their name, the guarantor stays them, and the trans the property transfers. That's why what I refer to as sub two, uh, sub two it's staying in their name. So that explain that to me because sure. I'm thinking that all right. So you've got say I'm the the original borrower. Um, and you got ABC Bank lent me the money. Um, the ABC Bank has a lien on the house. So if I default, then they get the house. Right. But now I'm selling the house to you or one of your students. I'm keeping the loan? Yeah, loan stays in your name until such time we cash it out. So literally just doing one right now in Phoenix with a student, about a half a million dollar deal. Unlike the free and clear, this asset type with the loan in it, on it rather, is more of, I got to fix a problem, financial problem for the seller. They just want out. And so unlike the, the building owner that I'm helping them accomplish a goal, the sub two usually lends itself to, uh-oh, um, I lost my job. Oh, I had COVID. Oh, I have the second home I can't afford anymore. So they just want it done and they need debt relief. And that's usually the makeup of that avatar. So how does that work? Uh, I'm the bank allows you to sell because that's the the asset that they have a lien on. Yeah. So the so there's a due on sale clause, right? In almost every loan that I've seen for years and years and years, and yeah. the due on sale loan. This is my this will be my attorney friend talking. Sure. Is 
there's nothing legal about it. There's a contractual issue about it. And the contractual issue is between the bank and the seller. So we obviously would have disclosures that my attorneys try to, to have them sign off that they understand what they're doing. However, it's been my experience for 33 years now, 31 and a half, that as long as I pay it, I don't cause a headache for the bank. Like I've never had a loan uh, called on us. Now, there's things we do to, to, to help navigate that, Darren. One is how we paper the deal. Uh, we paper the deal. Let's say it's your house and you're at 123 Jump Street. My, I'm going to take it in a land trust called 123 Jump Street, Batchelder Family Trust. And one of the reasons I'm doing that, this isn't legal advice. I'm not an attorney. It's just how we do it. One of the reasons we do that is way back in, I think it was 82, the Garmin St. Germain Act allows transfers of property for estate planning reasons and family reasons without triggering due on sale. So that's one of the many things that we do to paper the deal properly. And the second thing is don't ever not pay it because you don't pay it, you get a headache. You're going to get a foreclosure either way. So if, if you're, you're buying it or your student's buying it, who pays the mortgage? You guys pay the mortgage? Oh, yeah. We do everything. So we you write, guys are paying the mortgage, but I'm still the, the guarantor on, the, on that note. Yes, absolutely. So, so what it, I feel like I'm at risk, right? Like I still, am, I still have the, the loan in my name. Uh, I'm, you know, trusting that you're going to pay every month. Pay 100%. That's why that so, usually lends itself to, oh, I need help. Please help me, you know, take my house. Now, what happens if you don't pay? If we didn't pay in theory, the bank can take the house. Yeah. So here's the protection mechanism to that. This will come into play without getting too crazy advanced. Say um, we did one with a school teacher. This is a great example. This school teacher was not financially messed up, had good credit, just wanted closure on this house. Uh, he had a divorce. So we said, all right, we're going we're to buy your house. The mortgage is going to stay in your name. There literally was no equity when we started this deal years ago. And when we did it, he said, yes, but I want to go buy another house. How's this going to affect my credit? So what we did was for protection and to help him bring a mechanism, uh, contract to a bank to show that he's not paying it. We put a wrap, it's called a mirror wrap, but we put a wrap on the property. So if we ever went south on the deal, we took out, we stopped paying the deal, then he can foreclose on his own house because we put a wrap mortgage on it. We just leave him naked. Gotcha. But Which wouldn't be good. Wouldn't he be second behind the, the bank? Yeah, but, but, but he'd be notified so he could do the foreclosure and take his house back. Because the, the note, the mirror means, the mirror wrap is going to wrap what, exactly what we bought it for, the same terms, same monthly payment, same everything. Okay. So he would be able to take it back before the bank would foreclose on it? Foreclose yeah, on. that's one way of doing it. The other way, there's two or three states that don't allow this. But the other way we did one in Pennsylvania would be the seller said, I don't know, even though I was on the phone, he knew I was 30 years in the business, he said, what else can we do? I said, well, I can put a simple default agreement with your attorney that holds a deed in escrow that is deeding the house back to you. So if I mess up, if I mess up one payment, you, there's no foreclosure, you just take the deed and you go record it. And no hard feelings, I'm out. So it was a default agreement with a deed signed back to the seller. That's another way to do it. Huh. Third way is a land contract. By nature of, of what a land contract is, a land contract, the deed doesn't get recorded yet until the obligation is fulfilled. So that sits in the attorney's drawer and escrow. Uh, that's a very safe way for a seller to do it. Man, so solving problems and helping people create, you know, get to their goals. So talk about like cycles. 
because, you know, there's a lot, of, I don't know about you, but like I'm in the syndication space and there's a lot of investors that they're scared, man. They're scared yeah. to, you know, they, they have the cash to invest and they know that there's high inflation and their purchasing power is going to go down. But they're like, I just want to hold and sit on my cash because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. So, you know, you've been through ups and downs, you know, where do you think we're going and, you know, how do you pivot in that type of market? Yeah. So a couple of things, no particular order here, priority wise. First of all, I don't know where it's going, right? I love when the, I, even the billionaires <laughs> don't know. So if people right. get on and say they know, please don't listen. No one knows, right? I wish they did. Right. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, um, there's one constant, I think I might've said at the beginning of the show or off here, and that is that the real estate market's going to constantly change. We know that for certain. If we know that, why not get super uh, skillful, I'll say. Why not, why not sharpen your skills with respect to how to pivot in every market? That's what we design the sort of the creative real estate niche to be. Not we didn't design it. We, we fine-tuned within the creative real estate niche that's been around for decades. So I, I think that personal opinion, nothing else than a personal opinion, I think it's going to be sort of that flat, stagnant to down. Um, which my wife always says to me, every time she hears a piece of news or the market changes, she'll say, how does it affect you guys? How does it affect your deals? <laughs> and I say, great. Other than the booming craziness we had when COVID went from, I'm scared, which we could get deals then too, everything's selling. Other than that, every market I love operating in, that one just was more difficult to find people, but we still right. did it. Um, so I'm ecstatic about where the market's going. There's a couple of reasons. Let me, let me give you some metrics that I like. For the third time in 50 years, we have an affordability problem in the single family world. Well, the, to your and I point, the interest rates aren't even at a high from what we've seen over the decades, right? So if we already have an affordability problem, that means it's gonna get even tougher. So that's why people are flocking, literally flocking to creative real estate right now. The 50 year average, I think is like 7.7. .7. We're, we're not high right now. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity to come. And the, and the third thing I know, fact, is fortunes have been created since literally the 1600s when markets change and there's uncertainty and there's chaos. Why? Because buyers and sellers need help. They need guidance. The media is always screaming the worst to get you to watch it. And therefore, that thing just cycles and cycles and cycles. So that's not an economic opinion. That's just my opinion of kind of people's psychology in the, in the media. And, and they're helping us right now because they're screaming that there's going to be, you know, the end of the real estate market tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, you didn't use this ter terminology, but, I, you know, efficient markets, when, when people think about efficient markets, you know, like, look, the stock market, one piece of news comes out and it affects the stock price immediately, right? And, but with real estate, these problems, these goals it's not efficient, you know, like so these, some of these people, they want to solve a problem, but they don't know who to turn to, right. you know, and, and, you know, there's traditional financing through the banks and they may go to two banks and then they get, you know, like you talk about that entrepreneur that used to be a W2 employee and then they end up, you know, going to a couple banks and like, holy cow, man, I'm making way more money than I was making before but yeah. I don't have two years seasoning and I just got shut down by two banks I've been doing business with for, you know, 20 years. And it's all because they have, this is their 
process, their tick marks that they have to go through. And so then sometimes those people, they just stop. They stop looking for a way to make that happen. So if you can help them say, you know what, I can get you that house and I can get you it at a reasonable interest rate and this is how I can do it, then all of a sudden, you know, first they have to get over the, you know, is this a scam? You know, like, is this real? And then once they do get over that hump, then they're like, holy cow, thank you for helping me. Yeah, and I, I, I want to piece together a couple of things. I never really pointedly answered your question about the cash on the sidelines if they have cash. So yeah. you know what I say to them? Keep it. Keep the cash unless you want to, unless you need to syndicate or buy bigger buildings. But keep the cash on the sidelines and learn how to buy it creatively. Do both. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Keep your cash uh, for, the, for the rainy day. Um, and, and here's the other thing with banks. You can tell I love banks. But the fact is, in the early 90s, Ballpark. I, I have a hard time pulling stats on this. Ballpark, two or three percent of the transactions in the US anyway were done outside of banks. It's in the teens now. And again, you can Google this and get different stats, but it's way higher. And I think it I think yearly it's climbing now because banks, you just alluded to it, they're not getting easier to deal with, they're getting harder to deal with. Right. I'm in the business. Hey, when I went for a small one, I'm talking 17% LTV for a project my wife and I were doing. 17%. 17% LTV? 17. I was putting some things in place. And I and it was a nightmare. And my credit is backwards. should be. It's in the low eights. And she said, can you imagine other people that are trying to do this? I said, no, I can't. It's just they're not getting easier to deal with. So then don't deal with them, in my yeah. opinion. No, I mean, you're you're right. I had another syndicator that that, I mean, this person does... 200, 300, 400 unit apartment complexes. And she was like, you know, I'm trying to refinance my house and it's so much harder than financing like a 300 unit apartment complex. Crazy. Like that's, it's crazy to think that. But that's the reality of what's out there. And then you have finance companies that are, you know, coming up and and saying, hey, I want to solve the problem. And then there's people that even they can't, help. So then it brings on other people to come in and say, Hey, I've got a solution for you. Absolutely. That's exactly what I alluded to when I said that the creative financing niche and opportunities just every year going up and up and up. So I'm ecstatic about the next three to five years anyway, who knows after that what, what it's going to do, but I don't care what it's going to do. Cause if you understand how to pivot, you'll, you'll be ecstatic about it too. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I like how you said expand your skill set. you know, because there's some people that, you know, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, but then all of a sudden that opportunity is not there. You have to figure out, okay, well, how do I, you know, pivot and then do something different? And then you can rinse, repeat. Like for you, having 30 years of experience, you probably have a lot of the, another one of those. This is another one of those. Yeah, here's an example. You made me think of it when you said that you got to pivot. So in this market, before I even lived down here, we were doing, taking three, six, nine, 12 unit buildings and converted to condos. Darren, when I say it was a hard mark, that is an understatement. We would get the master condominium documents drawn up. We would start having the contractors paint. And before done, we'd sell them out, condos. Okay, then everybody caught up. And then the multifamily price went so sky high because they were betting on that. They were going to convert and the numbers are different. So if I kept going, then my margins went right down. Right. So instead, we just said, let's pivot. It, they, you know, that huge opportunity that, that wasn't easy, but it was better is gone. That's a good example. 
That's a great example. I was I was living in South Florida. A lot of the, you know, um, multifamily they were turning that into condos when yeah. in that 2002 to 2006 run up um, because they could get huge prices. And then all of a sudden, when market shifted, they had to go back to rentals because they, nobody was buying the, the condos anymore. So. Yeah, I'll give you a good horror story with that. So I had a six unit in in Providence, Rhode Island. You're familiar with Rhode Island. I think we bought it for like four or 500. We we turned it into condos. We sold like hotcakes the first two or three for 172 grand. The market pivoted in 08, like you, like you threw a light switch. The fourth one, I could not get 52 grand to save my life. It just died From in From 172 Providence. down to 50? Yep. yep. Holy cow. Less than a third. Wow. Talk about it, a pivot. That, that, that was crazy. That wasn't fun. No, and the guy that bought it at 50K, he's pro he probably did pretty well on it, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know what the project's done done now, but it's, yeah, I think they did okay. Especially if he used some kind of creative financing. And he yeah, did. <laughs> I think he's okay. Right, he, he's probably okay. So, hey, talk about, um, you've written a bunch of books. Like, why did you write books? And, you know, what's, you know, what are, what are you trying to put out in the marketplace with, with the books you've read? A couple of things. Uh, one is uh, until you until someone coaches, this this will be a hard one to grasp. But there's nothing, nothing better than helping someone transform their life, whatever that is for them. It could be monetary, it could be lifestyle, it could be whatever. So one route to do that was what we do as a company. Well, one route was to get the book out there, and, and to get a book out that doesn't purposely doesn't hold back anything. Like I've just read so many books myself in real estate and outside of real estate that. You go, yeah, yeah, but I got to go do this now. I, I got to call them or I got to opt into something. This is, we kind of lay out what we do. The real estate on your terms, which has been revised during COVID, lays out A through Z. Here's the resources. Here's what students did for deals. Here's how you could do it. Now, I'm not saying that's a read the book and go do make a million dollars. I'm not saying that. But I am saying you'll, your eyes will be open to, okay, I, I'm, I, I get what's going on here. So we're going to, as you know, give it to all your listeners because- I'm big on free, Darren, because of what you started the show with today. And that was letting people understand what's out there. This is not about market. This is about pick an issue you love and then stick with it with blinders on. And that, the book gives you the opportunity to say, ah, oh, that's for me or no, it's not. I pass. Yeah, that's, that's huge. So, um, you know, that's a part of getting educated is, is reading books and listening to podcasts and getting to know people. And yep. then each individual has to make a decision like, all right, well, how am I going to get from point A to point B? If you want to, you know, most people are looking for financial freedom, right? I mean, that's why they get into real estate is that they want to they wanna build uh, wealth. They want to reduce their taxes. And you can do that in a lot of different asset classes. So you can do it, you know, in, in single family. You can do it in, in small multifamily duplexes and fourplexes. You could do it in large multifamily. You could do it in right. self-storage. There's just so many different places you could do it. But you know what? Having books out there that somebody can read and say, you know what? I like this, this Chris, and I like this process, and I think I can do it. Because I think believing, you know, in your mindset, believing that you can achieve it is a big piece of being successful. I mean, if you sign up for something and you don't believe that, you know, it's for you, I don't care if you paid the money. I don't care if you have the best coach in the world you know, it's going to be very difficult for you to be successful. Yeah, halfway through what you were saying, it's exactly where my brain was going because we'll have a student in, does, you could pick a market, but right now I, I can think of two in New York. 
where one said, I can't do deals here, can't do that here. And the next guy's going out and getting six deals. They're in the same market, 100% right. what you said, it's all up here. Uh, which is scary, by the way, because the only thing holding us back is that. And if we know that, uh, you probably know, you, I, I hope you're old enough to know, because I, I know I am uh, Brian Tracy, <laughs> of Brian yes. Tracy. Well, yes. he was on I've my met, podcast. I've met Brian before at a, at a conference, yeah. And he's awesome. Read a, read he, a few I think of his was, books, yeah. I, yeah, a few. He's got, yeah. I don't know. He's, he's got, got so many books, yes. He was on my show at age 82. So it was like, I think it was like two years ago. And he, I said to him, I, I think that the, the, the three pillars we do are skill set, systems, and mindset. And I said, well, how important is mindset? I, a lot of the guests say 90%. He said, oh, it's, it's all of it. <laughs> he said, trust me, I've gone broke. I've made a lot of money. It's all of it. So it, it's interesting to get it from someone like that. All of it. That, that's crazy. You know, um, it's, and it's true because there's some people, and I'm sure you come across it and your students come across it, is that you may find the perfect person that you can solve their problem, but if they're not ready to hear the solution, like they're just, their, their mindset doesn't allow them to believe that it could solve their problem or, or achieve their goal. Right. It's just not going to happen, you know? And if you don't believe that you can use these, you know, systems and processes to, you know, one, help people. That's the, the thing is that, that flip of the switch of understanding that you're actually helping somebody. You know, like, yeah, I think that people in real estate feel like I'm just trying to sell somebody a deal, you know, and the ones that are successful realize, look, they're, they're actually helping somebody, you know, and so they're trying to get quickly to the people that they can help, you know, so if they can't help them, boom, they're off to the next guy, right? And so they're having to do the work, but, you know, the people that actually move forward, they're thankful, yeah, if you want to have a better experience on the phone with sellers, approach every call the way you just said it. Approach every call with, I'm just looking for people I can help to. That's it. And if I can't, I'm moving on. Not, I need a deal or I need a check tomorrow. They sense it. Just go truly from the heart wanting to help. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, so where do you go from here now? I mean, you guys, so... You, it sounds like you get a lot of joy from helping other people on the coaching side. Um, you're still in the trenches. You're doing, you said 50-50. Which side kind of brings you, you know, more joy and, what, what, you know, what, what's your kind of the go-forward plan from here? Yeah, your question's timely. So this year we transitioned my son a lot as CEO of the company, so more operational than, than I would be. So that what? So that I could get back to, doing deals more. And here's what's cool. The way we combined it is this. One of our higher level coaching programs has about 45 or so active members. And I get to do deals with them now. In other words, I help them do deals. They're the most committed. Uh, that's my sole thing that I work on now in our, in our coaching side of our business. So I get to do deals, doing with them, revenue share. So we're partners in the deal. Uh, so I get my fix of I'm helping someone transform their life and I get to do deals and you know, no deals the same. I don't care what niche you're in. So that's sure. what gets me up still. And as soon as it's bored, I'll be gone. My attention span wouldn't last, but the deals are never the same. So I don't get bored with it. Yeah. That's, and I've asked a lot of syndicators and it's kind of the same, same question, like, um, same answer is, you know, why do you keep doing it? Like you, now, look, I know the money you can make on some of these deals and, 
And at a certain point, you've got the financial freedom, you've got the time freedom, and they're like, well, what else? one, what else am I going to do? Two, I enjoy it. And three, I want to help the next guy come up. You know, I want to teach the other person. And I think that even when you're talking to your students, like in the beginning, it's all about how they can be successful. And they're only thinking about them and their family and how they're going to grow their wealth. But then there are people that are watching like, hey, I know you joined this this uh, coaching program. I know you're going after real estate. And then a year or two later, they're like, man, how'd you do it? And now they're going out and helping their network figure it out. Yeah, I hope with just that statement you made, it was such in sync on this stuff that that anyone in the W-2 world says, ah, oh, that's cool. I can, one of these guys or someone they know can help me because it's true. Uh, some of the one that you or I know can help them leave the W-2 in one of the niches that we know of. It's just a fact. So, so take it by the reins and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you don't want to leave your W-2 and you just you just want to grow your wealth as a side hustle, um, you know, there's there's opportunities to do that where you don't have to put all your money in the stock market. You know, that's what everybody's been taught, you know, um, growing up. But you don't have to. And, and the returns that Chris has seen and that I've seen are significantly better than putting it in the stock market. But and the tax, tax benefits as well, huge. So um, with that, you're, you're going to continue to grow the coaching business. You're, doing, you're focused on doing more deals and helping other people do deals. Um, how is it working with your son? With my what, sorry? With your son. Uh, we have my son and my son a lot of the business. My daughter Both. used to be, and hopefully she'll be back after the grandkids are a little older. My, they, everybody was swam in different lanes, Darren, organically. I wish people say, how'd you, how'd you plan all that? I did. Organically, uh, Zach loved running the company and scaling things. My son-in-law, I love doing deals more in the trenches. My son-in-law, uh, my son, Nick Ralla, loves helping the students with just the buying in, you know, the disposition. And so, and that just all happened organically. Like they each don't like what the other one does. It's perfect. Um, it's perfect. It, yeah, you couldn't have planned it better. And, and my daughter used to be the general manager, and hopefully, again, she'll get more active. She's starting to get more active again. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it grew organically, and I'm happy for her. That's, that's huge. Um, so where do people reach out to you if they want to get to know more about you, your coaching program, your books, um, and what you got going on? You know, I'm big on free. Thank you for asking this, first of all. Second of all, I'm big on free. As I alluded to earlier, they can go to YouTube, and if they put in Smart Real Estate Coach, they literally will see uh, 240 some odd deals that I whiteboard, me or someone else whiteboards, and get to know how we do these creative deals and our trademark three payday system and all that good stuff. It's all free. Uh, the book link we can we can give them because I want them to get hard copies, no shipping, none of those crazy offers where you got to put in shipping. Just go to wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Darren. We uh, committed to giving every single lesson. It doesn't matter if there's two or 2,000. Uh, we'll get you out those books and we'll ship them at our cost. Those are both free. That at least let you dive in and go, okay, this is an issue I want to dig into or no, no thanks. But at least you didn't have to go spending that tens of thousands to figure that out. And I can, I can vouch for that because it just showed up on my doorstep a few oh, days good. ago. Oh, good. Someone's doing their job. Awesome. Yeah, so somebody's doing their job and I got, I got all the books. Um, and I did not do... Uh, plus shipping. So it just showed up. So <laughs> Good deal. thank you for that. You bet. Um, so smart real estate coach on YouTube, 
wickedsmartbooks.com backslash Darren. Um, and then what else in terms uh, of? The regular site, smartrealestatecoach.com. Yeah, that's nice. just the regular site. Awesome. Well, you are the first person that I've had on that really focuses on, on, you know, I know you do both and you've been in this business for over 30 years, but single family and multifamily. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people that can't jump right into big scale multifamily. And that's where I spend most of my time. And for me, I was like that. I, I first did a duplex. My there wife and I, we bought a, a new construction duplex that wasn't going to have, you know, the maintenance issues. And I was scared to do that. And then once I did that, I was like, holy cow, this, you know, I want to go bigger. Get the um, itch. I got it. Yeah, I got the itch. But people say, are you glad you did that? And I'm like, yes, because that was my first deal. Once I did that, then it expanded my mindset to think like, how can I do something different? And in your world, you know, maybe somebody does, uses that first approach, but then they're like, okay, I want to expand that mindset. I keep talking to people that don't want that. They want this. Right. How do I do that? You know, how do I help them in that capacity? So um, thank you very much for coming on. You are also from Rhode Island. I went to URI, so I miss I miss good old Rhode Island. How many um, times? Love to you have know, it. Yeah, well, you're you're moving into better weather. I don't miss the winters up there, but you know, moving it into better weather and Newport and Narragansett, all good good places. Uh, appreciate you coming on, listeners. I hope that you enjoyed that one. Until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.